Hey everyone, Ben here with a very quick pre-show announcement just to let you know we will be back with book two in three weeks. That's right, Sunday, November 25th. We're back in business. We're really looking forward to it. And in the meantime, we bring you this little teaser episode, which is in fact the epilogue to book one. So uh, feast your ears on this. Previously on Dice Paper Roll. The glowing shard was taken from Ariki's shaking hands. She lifted her beloved lute and strummed her final stand. The chamber spun around them with resonant energy, whilst the mortally wounded Ariki's was lost in her reverie. The magic glowed and swirled, but darkness spread without remorse, revealing high overhead two moons on a collision course. Ariki's looked down at the spike, all covered in gore, and felt a pull that brought her gasping back to reality's shore. The pain too much to bear, she ceased playing her song, and was dragged down to the nine hells. What more could possibly go wrong? Silence. The moons collided, fragmenting, descending. The eyes of the tight five filled with light, their last moment spent. special episode of Dice Paper Roll. My name's Ben. I will be DMing this section. We're joined by Jack playing a maybe? Shall we find out? A Ricky's maybe? A Ricky's maybe. So, I've turned off episode title. I've turned <laughs> maybe. I've turned off the other mics because um you guys are not at the table. But I thought you might like to listen in. Arikis, you drift deliriously on an ocean of pain. There's a searing heat that permeates your body and it spreads outwards in these agonizing waves that suddenly turn to ice in your blood and then they turn back again to these burning rivers of fire that flash through your veins. And your mind tries desperately to struggle up from the depths of unconsciousness, but everything is foggy. You know, like when you're trying to wake up, but you just, you have no idea who you are, where you are, what day it is. And you dream or hallucinate, maybe, you can't even be sure. And fleeting images come and go across your eyelids. There are abstract things you can't make out. People and places. Some seem familiar, some seem strange. And then there are others like you might have known them in another life. 
Other times, there's nothing but never-ending blackness. And these are the times where mercifully you pass out. But even then there is a dull ache from somewhere within you, a festering wound that relentlessly sends waves of pain racking through both your body and your psyche. Somewhere underneath all of this, there's a small thing that would give you hope were you aware enough to be able to grasp it. And that's the notes of your song that drift with you in this strange space. Your very being is suffused with them, although they are almost imperceptible. They echo through this strange state of existence, but faintly, and you're just aware of them. They seem beyond your reach, shielded from you by a blackness that courses through your veins. And through this time, you hear other sounds faintly, almost beyond registering, but the scrape of stone, the clink of metal. There are voices in a language that almost seem familiar. And these sounds mingle in with the rest of your experience, becoming indistinguishable. And this is all that you know for what seems a very, very, very long time. Eventually, as your mind tumbles through the whirling chaos, you start to become more aware of your body and your thoughts actually start to become a little bit clearer. You start to become more aware of your senses and your surroundings as your thoughts start to take shape and you you start to feel a little more like yourself. Hey, this, this isn't so bad excruciatingly painful but not so bad always an optimist Ariki's song these are the things you use to keep your mind strong in these endless moments of pain and in reality your throat is parched your tongue is heavy and it's an effort but eventually you manage to open your eyes and they flutter open oh your eye sorry Still only one of those. Yep, no, that that's definitely true. Still only one eye. Uh, it flutters open. I can't believe I wrote that down wrong. And slowly, your vision comes into focus on a green flame that flickers on a torch sconce in the wall, and it faintly illuminates the room, what appears to be a, uh, a room that's roughly 10 foot wide, and it makes shadows dance across this heavy iron door that stands opposite you. Three metres. Yeah. You're learning. Mm. Well done. Mm. In the pride of knowing how far 10 feet is, you also (laughs) notice (laughs) that there is hard stone at your back. And then lifting your head, you realize that you are hanging, chained by your wrists to the wall. You cannot feel your arms, for they must have gone numb a very long time ago but what you can feel is your shoulders screaming in agony as they bear the weight of your limp body <sighs> where where are... <laughs> and you 
you scream out in frustration and pain and the sound echoes throughout the chamber and the very movement of screaming in pain causes a devastatingly sharp pang to rack through your abdomen, your entire body, and you look down to see your tunic stained black with blood and a sharp metallic spearhead that protrudes from your gut. (laughs) Sweat drips down your brow as you breathe heavily, trying to take everything in, and memory floods back to you as you recall the final moments in the antechamber. The memories that you experienced of these other tieflings playing the song that, that has come to you so strongly over recent days, and... The knowledge that filled you in this moment, that it was your destiny to play the song, your duty. It was the only way to stop that asimilar from achieving its dark goal. But I failed. Indeed you did. You remember the moment the chain pierced through your guts. The pain. The moment when you knew that you would not be able to complete the song. And the sense of loss and hopelessness that consumed you as you knew in that moment the magnitude of your failure as you were dragged from the material plane to some kind of hellish landscape underneath. And even then, though you might not have grasped it, now you do fully. You grasp the consequence that the world would suffer as a result of the failure. Never before had your bloodline failed to complete the song and all of this floods back to you in a rush that leaves you almost bereft of hope and drained of the will to carry on. Your head drops back to your chest in another movement that sends spasms of pain coursing through your body. (gasps) Does anyone know where I am? Hello? Your voice echoes off the walls of the chamber and you hear another sound enter into your awareness. You hear a scraping sound of the cell door opening and there's a clanking, rattling sound that accompanies heavy set footsteps of a creature that enters the room. Well, hello there. Unfortunately, what they say about Stockholm Syndrome is not actually true, so don't get any hopes up. Oh, I won't. Good. You look up to see a vaguely humanoid shape, one that is now a little familiar to you. This shape is shrouded in chains of every length, and every single chain ends in a vicious hook or barb or some kind of heavy spiked ball. And the devilish creature stands there, the chain devil, illuminated by the flickering green torch on the wall. You can see that the chains seem to slither and writhe and slide all over the creature's form as if they were alive, and its voice grates. We're in for a bit of roleplay then, I guess. Aye, I suppose we are. Go on then. Well, seeing as you're awake and so full of vigour, why don't you come with me? Well, I'm a bit tied up at the moment, you know. I can't really, uh, help myself off these... Allow me. And with a wave of its hand, your chains suddenly loosen and you tumble to the floor, every muscle in your body howling in protest as waves of nausea pass over you as you attempt to remain conscious. (gasps) Roll a wheel save. Presumably I don't have any, like, additions to that. There's certainly no advantage. (laughs) Just your normal stats would be good. Uh, that's a nine. All right, you can add the one for your Thane pin that's still on your oh. blood-stained cloak. I did. 
Oh, so nine? Yeah. <laughs> My wisdom's zero. You <laughs> you throw up everywhere on the ground. <laughs> and you retch, and with every heave of your stomach, shivers just encompass your entire body, and sweat breaks out from your brow, but you manage to remain conscious. <laughs> Would you hold my hair back for me? I just don't want to get it in my hair, you know. It's it's real awkward. It might smell later. I wish that I could help you. Yeah, I guess your hands are all made of chains and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed they are. Now get up. Just a second. I said, get up. Uh, all right. Um, and uh, Ariki's attempts to put one hand on her knee and the other one on the ground and pushes up. Great. Do you want to roll a strength check for me? Sure. That's appropriate. Uh, that's a five. <laughs> You try to get up. You put one hand on your knee, but it slips. You have no idea how long you've been in this state for. And whilst you try to get up, you physically just cannot. And Ariki's bursts into laughter. (laughs) Well, I guess you've been keeping me up here for a while. That we have. I see you've retained your sense of humour, though you are weak. Aye. Very well. Though I never really was strong. I've had enough of your talk, tiefling. And it clenches its hand into a fist, and there is a cold snap of metal behind you as the chain that is connected to the sickly spike sticking out of your belly suddenly animates behind you, and you hear the slithering of this chain like a snake as it crawls and slides across the floor towards the devil. The end of it crawls up around the devil's forearm and the chain devil gives a sharp tug of its arm that sends more waves of pain coursing through you as it yanks you in its direction and begins dragging you by the chain. I mean, that's the way I would have liked it anyway. (laughs) I'm not putting an effort for you. Stubborn in this severe pain you are being dragged and the spike that's coming out of you is almost barbed like almost like a grappling hook but not as you know massive spikes and it is pulling against your stomach and yet still in the face of this horror and this torture you maintain your wit and your sense of humor and your attitude and you use it to somehow maintain consciousness as you're dragged and ushered through a series of hallways and rooms and the edges of your vision threaten to just fill with blackness and what you can notice is that most of the hallways are made of this dark gray stone and some uh, of the halls have these slitted windows and red hellish light um, shines in from outside but finally you're left motionless in the middle of a large room your breath coming in shuddering ragged gasps that leave you weak and nauseous the cold stone beneath you is actually a merciful relief to the fiery pain that threatens to consume you and as you attempt to hold on to your sense of self to gather your strength you hear a familiar voice I told you to bring her to me I have my lord 
You have dragged her here, almost lifeless. You didn't tell me how I should bring her, my lord. Perhaps you should be clearer with your commandments. And perhaps... He's got you there! Perhaps you should interpret them with more intelligence and obey with respect and without question. Or would you prefer a more pitiful existence as a Lemur? Boom! I will not suffer dissent again. Look at the shit you inspire in this tiefling. Yes, my lord. Forgive my transgression. I live only to serve. Well, who's the bitch now? You say as you look up and stare straight into the eyes of the strikingly handsome Calatras. Calumvor! Ka... Who... Ka... Caddy, coo, coo, cat. Who are you? Sorry, I've been rather tied up at the moment, or some other joke that hasn't been reused earlier. That's. <sighs> and I spit in his general direction, though because I'm so weak, it more or less just dribbles out the front of my mouth. And he looks at you. Oh, could you wipe that up for me? With pleasure. He's sitting upon a large stone seat, almost a a throne of sorts, simple in its design, smooth, straight edges, and it sits atop a small dais. He's garbed in simple yet finely made clothes. But next to this throne, if you will, is your loot. And he strokes it as he stands up and walks towards you, holding... A scepter made of a long, thin, blood-red, bone-like rod with an onyx gem that rests in the hilt. At the other end is a blackened, gnarled, clawed hand of some leathery-skinned creature. And he approaches you and says, My dear Arikis, I do hope you will accept my deepest sympathies as he wipes the spittle from your chin. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I will. Well, that is a shame. I wouldn't worry about it. You seem upset, Harikis. What gives you that impression? Oh, you know, the spit, the attitude, mm. the general demeanor. Yeah, really kind of gives it away, hey? Hi. I understand how you feel. But let me first make the situation a little easier before we proceed, shall I? Remove your chain. Yes, my lord. And you look down and the barbs retract. And you feel this pain as the the chain is pulled out backwards (gasps) through your stomach. And this black blood oozes the wound. But before you can sink into oblivion, Calatras extends the scepter that he holds, and his lips move wordlessly as he mounts a command word or some kind of spell, and the hand on the end of the scepter moves so that it clenches a fist but extends and points the index finger, and a bright pink pulse of light forms and wobbles along the finger and kind of blobs out of the end of it like a jellyfish and settles over you, and as it does, you actually feel this warmth passing through your body and a welcome relief 
from the only thing that you have known for what seems like an eternity and your flesh actually begins to knit itself together and slowly, ever so slowly, you can feel yourself starting to heal. <sighs> well, I won't lie, that's quite a relief. Thank you. You're welcome. And you also notice as your wounds seem to evaporate a little, the notes of your song enter into your awareness. You still feel weak and dizzy, but there is feeling that returns to your limbs and you're able to draw breath a little more easily. Calatras stares into your eyes and smiles kindly. My dear Harikis, he brushes your hair and traces the scar on your face and eye with the back of his palm. We have waited a very long time for this moment. But it is finally here. You are finally here. So pleased I didn't disappoint. As I hope you won't now. You see, Arikis, many times before, your line have thwarted our plans. But we knew, we always knew that one day you would fail. And I am so glad it was you. See, I have need of you, Arikis. I could use your talents. There's great power that runs in your bloodline. Do you go with the drums or the maracas? Are we starting a band? If you like. Oh, no, I'd rather not. You're detestable. So you won't serve me? Depends. What's your offer? Well, Arikis, you see, I offer you great power, knowledge, immortality. Tell me, what do you know of what you mortals call the blood war? Um, it's about once a month. Uh... <laughs> it's rather awkward, honestly. It hurts. I can't Really, uh, honestly, I didn't really expect to be talking to you about that. Um, uh, no, I think, I think, I think you might misunderstand me, Arikis. I'm not asking about your personal hygiene. Do you know they still tax that stuff? No. No, I didn't, but thank you for making me aware. This is why it will be good to have you around, Arikis, so you can teach me these things with pleasure. Clearly you have no idea what the Blood War is. Nope. Is. There is a greater purpose to existence than you know. A greater war being fought that most mortals know nothing of. As you've so clearly demonstrated. You see, you mortals go about your lives, as you have done, championing the cause of good and what you think is right. But these mortals and the lives they lead would not even exist if it weren't for our legions. Whose legions? Your, your legions. Yes. Huh? The devils. Those that fight in the great war for the great lords of the Nine and Asmodeus himself. We fight to keep the demons of the Abyss at bay in a war that has raged for eternity. Without us, they would overrun the entire multiverse. Existence everywhere would be utter chaos. Without devils, mortals would have nothing worth living for. Uh, that, that doesn't make any sense. Well, of course, because you 
haven't had the opportunity to learn more about it, that's what I'm offering you, Arikis. Join us. Swear to me and fight in the greatest cause in all the multiverse. What's the alternative? Well, there isn't really, and I have a lot of time to wait for you to come around to my way of thinking. Well then, I guess time it is. Well, Arikis, I understand the hesitation you feel. Trust me, I do. I felt the very same way a thousand years ago when I was first offered to make the same choice. A thousand years and you still didn't get better clothes. You see that you have finally pissed him off. (laughs) He... There is a sharp intake of breath and he looks away from you down to the ground momentarily and then... Uh, what's the joke? Oh, it's a good one. I promise I'll tell it to you sometime. Please. I'd love to add it to the tight five. Well, speaking of tight five, (laughs) that's what you called your friends, is it not? No, I didn't. It was more of a thing that just stuck. Well, I'm sure you'll be pleased to know they're all dead. Highly doubt that. Hmm. I do like you, Arikis. You're going to be quite the challenge. But I would have you serve me of your own free will. Serve the Nine and the Great Lord himself. Okay. Really? That was much easier than I thought. I will give you immortality. I will grant you power beyond your imagining, knowledge to find out who you really are, where your bloodline really began. (coughs) I can't keep it up. There's no way I'm doing that. All right. Well, I can see that you're not going to join me. I'm going to offer you this one last time, Arikis. You do it willingly or not. But either way, you will serve the cause. Would you hand me my loot? Perhaps. And he stands up and looks at the loot and thinks to himself. And he says, It is a great pity, Eurekis. I had hoped you would come to this decision willingly. And he snaps his fingers and from somewhere the edge of your vision, a devilish servant appears from somewhere with a strange crown made of some kind of thin barbed metal that you don't recognise. And he places it on your head and again points the scepter at you once again the hand changes shape and it's a little bit like kind of devil horns (laughs) with the pinky and the index finger and the middle two fingers folded down with the thumb holding against the palm but the palm is facing up and uh, as it as he touches the scepter and the hand to the crown and you know pain beyond anything you could possibly have ever imagined and you have died by a wagon running over your head you have just spent an indeterminable amount of time with a spike sticking out of your gut this is more than can be described with that it's more of a, a psychic and a spiritual pain that hurts beyond any of the physical pain you've endured thus far and the crown rests upon your head 
there are these small, sharp barbs that rest gently on your skin around your head. And as the scepter's magic touches you, tendrils of black smoke curl around the crown and circle around your head. And then they start spinning around the barbs and they pierce into your flesh and work their way into your brain ever so subtly. Another wisp drifts outward and into your mouth and you see them drifting into your eye and your ears. You feel them settle within you, circling your heart and you become aware of your song. The notes take on an ominous and sinister minor tone and you feel something caress the very fibre of your being and a slight twisting that sends dark ripples throughout your soul and the dark seed of a feeling perhaps even a thought arises from somewhere within you that perhaps all the days of your life until now have been a lie perhaps the cause that Calatras speaks of is not all you have assumed it to be And with that thought, there's just the faintest glint of a hellish light that unwillingly sparks within your eyes. Calatras kisses your forehead and says, The loot is next to your throne. I will let you think it over. And he strides towards the exit. You turn to watch him leave and he pauses before leaving, turning slightly to look back at you over his shoulder. And he gives you an impossibly handsome smile as he says, Take your time. And strides out, leaving you in the room, the image of you, an empty stone thrown behind you, with a lute resting against it, and a faint, hellish gleam in your eyes. In the distant depths of Ariki's mind, a voice says, And that is where we will leave this special episode. Thanks for tuning in, folks. I just had a, a bit of inspiration, like a bit of thought about how Ariki's song might go. I just want to get it down, so I've yes. just got yeah, it. Yeah. Like, a, like a... Oh, Ricky, you're so fine, you're so fine, you're blah, 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 Ricky. <laughs> oh, Ricky. Oh, Ricky, you're so fine, you're so fine, you're blah, 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 Ricky. Oh, Ricky. <laughs> yeah, that was worth it. Waited 41 episodes for that. (laughs) (laughs) Can that please be the song? Uh, Awesome. I was honestly, I was kind of hoping you would write something original. (laughs) You'll be in London, so fuck you, motherfucker. (laughs) You can't. Always get (laughs) what you want. That was awesome. It's very cool. That, that was, was good. brilliant. I very cool to listen to it. Yeah. Having a way, like listening. That was really good fun. Yeah. It's a bit of a dire situation. Yeah, but not dead. There's always hope. Yeah.
Awesome. Oh, I guess um, I guess one thing. Um, I'm going to be going to London for a bit. That means that my parts in the in the podcast are going to be a little bit different. Um, we hope you're okay with that. Uh, we think that it's going to be bring some really amazing new story opportunities for us. Um, as in, we're trying to do what we can with the dice we've been given. So, um, yeah. Look, it's not an ideal situation for me uh, with regards to the podcast, but I'm super excited to see where we go yeah. from here. And let's remember, replacement is not a dirty word, you know? <laughs> 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 but as, with exactly. every, as with everything, we uh, feel like we've adapted a lot in this this first season, this first book of our show, and we're really excited with what we've got to bring to you still. And um, this just provides us, it opens the door to a lot of other opportunities where Jack can absolutely still be involved. Um, stay tuned. Yeah. They're, they're, they're exciting. We, ha- we have lots of plans for the whole thing. And um, look, uh, we obviously wish Jack well because we love him to bits, and we, but we kind of, you know, we'd be happy if, if he... Decided he missed us and came back. Also, you never know. Um, but technology is an amazing thing. So yeah. stay tuned. Yeah. No, He's not I, gone I, completely. I think first and foremost that we obviously all wish you the best of luck with everything that you do when you're over in in London, and I hope that you kick the shit out of whatever it is that you do. Um, and yeah, as what everyone said, I'm really excited about the opportunities that it actually presents to us and the dynamics that we will be forced to work with um, and how that will shape and change and evolve the show as we have noticed in this first year of releasing it, how much it has shaped and changed and evolved with every new hurdle that we've come across. This is just another hurdle um, that we can leap over and and find new ways to bring awesome storytelling whilst you still do your thing in London. Yeah, and thanks for just the absurdity that you've brought to the table over the last oh 41 episodes. You've taken us in so many different directions um, with the narrative and, and your action and reaction. And it's made, I think it's made a huge difference to the podcast over the last sure. 41 episodes. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you. Well, friends. Thank you for your oh, work. And thanks for the art. Thank you oh. for your work. Yeah, thank you for the art. <laughs> thank you for your work, everyone. Thank you for listening, yeah. everyone. Thank you. Good team effort. Yeah. Yeah. Good team effort. That includes you, listeners. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, without, without you, uh, there'd not really be much point in making it. Yeah. But we would still make it anyway. And so Merry Christmas to us all. Mm. Yeah. In so, June. God yeah. bless us, everyone. Yeah. Look after you, Robert. And you, Gladys. <laughs> <laughs>